0: So now when the moment unfolds in front of them, they can give to it. They can take this joy and love that they have and they can, can shine it upon the moment people place in things that are unfolding. So this is spirituality. It is not about, that's why at the moment I'm going to say, they are teachers, and I love all teachings, it's all fine. People work at whatever level work at. But this whole thing about abundance and attracting to yourself what it is that you want and how to use mantras and spirituality to make sure you have what you want True spirituality is about not wanting. True spirituality is about being filled with joy from inside and then sharing that outside. It's not about attracting to yourself what you want. Is there a law of attraction? People ask me, is there a law of attraction? Yes, and you better be scared of it because if it's true that you attract what your mind is thinking, you better take a look at what your mind is thinking. (laughs) In other words, it's not only when you're sitting there trying to attract something to yourself with affirmation. What about your mind all day when it's complaining and it's yelling at people and it doesn't like stuff? What if you're attracting that way? So you eventually catch on that it is not about getting what you want; it is about learning to find out that what you really want is to stay open and not have conditions on that openness. And then it comes down to how do you do that? Uh, Are people capable of doing that, or is that just reserved for you know some special yes, beings? I'm
1: writing Buddha and uh, Christ
0: that have walked the face of the earth a little
1: bit more these days.
0: Everybody is capable, and of that. that
1: may turn into a book. It seems. The provisional title is A New Earth, but it's only a provisional title. A New Earth, of course, the words come from the Bible, Um, they appear in the Book of Revelations, which is also called the Apocalypse, which tells you about everything collapsing. The whole man-made order of things collapsing, that's what it is about, symbolically. And then when it's all collapsed, <laughs> the writer says, and I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Out of the collapsed world, rises a new world. So that's in a way where the title comes from, a new earth. Uh, and I saw a new heaven and a new earth, that's what it says. And uh, the way I see that is the new heaven is a new consciousness that is arising, so this is causal in humans, it's the transformation of human consciousness, it's the inner, heaven is the inner world, the new earth is the outer manifestation of the transformed consciousness. So the question, and what of the new earth? The answer to that is, we don't need to be concerned about the new earth. All we need to be concerned about is the new heaven. And that's why we are here, because heaven is the inner, the inner transformation of consciousness. The outer, the externalization of that, as a different world that humans create once the shift has happened, that is obvious, that politically, economically, socially, in every respect, the structures, the man-made structures, and even the buildings, and the cities, and so on will be very different from that which the egoic consciousness creates. So our gathering here is the arising of a new heaven, the inner, the rest comes automatically.
2: 2020 is a year where the intensity of opposition and conflict is turned up to the boiling point, so as to put people in a position to have to make conscious personal choices. People and societies must decide and define who they are, what they believe in, what they stand for. And guess what? This is going to be causing a major redistribution of power people are going to be redefining themselves. Cultures are going to be redefining themselves. Societies are going to be redefining themselves. The world itself is going to redefine itself. The scene that comes to mind when trying to capture this essence of 2020 is the scene in Braveheart. Basically, he's sitting on his horse and he's riding back and forth in front of the army that he's about to lead into battle. And he's trying to convey to them why it is that they're about to go ahead and fight a fight they most likely are going to lose. It's for the sake of who they are and what they stand for. The collective consciousness of the universe itself, which, just so you know, humanity is a fragment of, is already decided that the time has come to integrate self and other, individual and collective. Obviously, these seemingly opposed concepts have been at odds. But this opposition between them is slated for an end. This means you will be facing the task of redefining yourself while integrating what is other. This is a phase within humanity to learn how to have yourself and have others too at the very same time. This year, you will be redefining yourself. And defining yourself as a process of individuation. You're going to be answering questions like this. Who am I? What do I stand for? What is my truth? Do other people define me? How do I keep myself when I'm in relationship with another person or within a group? You will establish a sense of loyalty towards yourself. This sense of loyalty is going to lead you to a place where you're no longer making compromises. And it's this place where fear is going to arise. The dominant theme around fear when it comes to 2020, I should say one of many, is this concept of me in the context of relationship. Let's just be honest, humans are terrified of each other. Fear is the pushing away of that which you do not want to include as a part of yourself. Fear is at its core the opposite of love. So fear causes you to individuate, but unconsciously and out of pure resistance. Here's the good and the bad news in this. This largely unconscious individuation process is inevitably going to lead people to that point of the unification between self and other. Here's how it goes. When we are individuated, on an unconscious level, we're pushing all things away from ourselves. We're causing the opposition, to the degree that we understand and come to the awareness, that what we personally stand for, our personal values, and what we personally desire, is in fact unity. This is where, ironically, the new battle becomes the battle to end battles. It's at this point that relationships become a conscious choice. Love itself becomes a conscious choice. I'm gonna be honest with you though, this awareness that what a person personally wants and that choice point they come to or what they're choosing as relationship and deliberately choosing unity, this awareness is gonna come much more harshly to some than to others. The truth that has already been accepted at an objective level within the universe and that humanity must catch up to, is that we can't keep opposing each other. We must end the zero sum game. Now for those of you who are curious about what the zero sum game is, I did a video on it. It's going to be included in the links on the descriptions on this video. Basically, within the greater universe, the decision has been made to heal division. Sadly, to come to a choice point where all fragments within the universe desire, integration again, instead of division, division's going to have to get worse. This means the suicide crisis will rise. The opioid crisis will rise. This means that loneliness is going to get a whole lot worse because people haven't recognized loneliness itself as the great problem of humanity. In other words, loneliness is the crisis of the human race. Those of you who have heard me speak before know that I talk a lot about the fact that some people need a whack a tree at 70 miles an hour moment in order to awaken. The awareness and decision to integrate within the universe is like a massive tsunami. That tsunami is headed towards all fragments within the Source consciousness. Basically, Source is pointing the tsunami towards all parts of itself. You must get on board with and ride the tsunami. If in response to your fear, you try to oppose that tsunami of change by getting controlling, rigid, sticking to what you know, being set in your ways and holding to what was and is familiar, you will get hit by it. And in case you don't already know, a tsunami is traveling at the speed of a jet aircraft. You will not outrun it and you will not be able to fight against it. The question to ask yourself is, what role do I want to play in this new structure? Redefining yourself can feel like the owning of a new form. Now, doing this is kind of like a personal rebirth. As such, there will be labor pains in the transition. Society will be confronted with all the things that need to change about society. You will be confronted with all the things you need to change about yourself. This opposition can lead us to a sense of thwarted motivation. It can lead us towards a feeling of being fed up, quite frankly. And when people become fed up, they like to throw in the towel. For this reason, it's really important to understand that a lot of people are going to be jumping on board of spirituality this year. Will all of them be doing it in the right way? No. Here's what I mean by that. When we feel fed up and we want to throw in the towel, often we use spiritual practice as a way of escaping from our physical reality or escaping from whatever we are fed up with. You couldn't do anything worse in 2020 than to use spirituality and those practices of spirituality, shadow work, doesn't matter what you're subscribing to, as a method of escapism. Those spiritual practices which you subscribe to, they have to be used in a completely different way. Where you're using them to gain objective perspective and clarity, where you're using them to really develop resources so as to take that clarity and those resources directly into and commit to your physical temporal experience. In 2020, in order to redefine yourself, you must decondition yourself from patterns that no longer serve you or the world you live in. You redefine yourself so as to give your life new meaning. You reevaluate your values and priorities and from there, take action to build your life around those core values. This means you must heal from your past and the no longer beneficial ways that your past made you adapt. You must redefine reality. Everything that causes you to feel oriented and stable in the truth of reality may very well be thrown out the window. Therefore, the way to approach 2020 is with curiosity and flexibility. You must be willing to let go of what you think you know. You must be willing to let go of the old and consider completely new perspectives and ways of doing things. This is a great year to practice the art of going back to the drawing board. It is a year for redefining what you need to cultivate in your life and what you need to let go of. This is a year to realign with your deepest desires, needs and values. By reassessing and realigning with your deepest desires and values and ideas, what's going to be happening here is that you're going to be developing a sense of inner authority. That inner authority is really important because it means you're going to be entering into relationships while keeping your own personal truth. But here's the thing about truth, isn't it? The fact that you're developing truth means that one of the central themes of 2020 is going to be truth versus lies. Becoming aware of what is true may just cause us to throw everything we thought was true out the window. Inevitably, it causes us to adjust. Again, this is all going to force flexibility. What's going to really benefit you this year, as you saw in all of the above reasons that I've given you, with flexibility, with changing your attitudes, with taking on new perspectives, with shifting everything you thought you were, redefining yourself, AIR is the element to master in 2020. As you redefine yourself, what is going to become um, strikingly obvious to all of us, is that, as a collective, humanity is facing a responsibility crisis. (laughs) Basically, what it's gonna seem like is that nobody's taking responsibility and absolutely everyone is pointing fingers. From the personal level to the politics level, (laughs) it's like across the board of all society. So, part of redefining ourselves is to really make it clear what we are and what we aren't responsible for and taking personal responsibility for those things that are our responsibility is a central theme to redefining ourselves in a way where we have solid structure in our lives. As for Earth itself, it is also going to be redefining itself. I'm going to let you use your own mind to imagine what might happen when the Earth itself begins this process of redefining itself.
3: There are three words that convey the secret of the art of living, the secret of all success and happiness. One with life. Being one with life is being one with now, you say. You then realize that you don't live your life, but life lives you. Life is the dancer and you are the dance. I have to tell you, I love this book, but I was like, gee, I thought life was the, was the dance and I was the dancer. And there are a lot of people on on the web who are saying the same thing. Can you explain how life is the dancer and we are the dance? Why aren't we the dancer?
1: Life is dancing the dance of form, one could say. Every human being and everything that that exists is part of the dance of life. Uh That which moves you, the very consciousness that animates your being, that, that animates every cell of your body, that produces thoughts too. Uh-huh. The very consciousness that you are is the one universal, the one life. Okay. And that permeates everything. It's so the entire universe is permeated by that consciousness, by life, which is okay. another word for God. God. Uh, I don't see God as an entity that is in a particular place somewhere, Uh but as the essence, the, uh, the intelligence, the animating life essence behind all life forms. It's the eternal.
3: The totality. Yes. So let me ask you the big question. You have no fear of death?
1: No, no. The ego has dissolved, and so only the ego fears death. I know there is no death. You know there is no death.
3: Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, tell me how.
1: I have a little thing at the end
3: of this chapter. I know, you say the uh, incontrovertible proof of immortality. I read that and I went, okay, well, I read that. I still... <laughs> I've done
1: a little thing I did there. Usually when people talk about immortality, they use certain arguments, perhaps from physics. They say the... The energy gets never is destroyed. Energy can only become transformed. That's right, transformed. So the vital energy that is your life, because energy cannot be destroyed, must survive in some form. That's often the argument for the survival of that life. There is no death, only the form dissolves. Okay, so
3: continuing here. So there is no such thing as my life, and I don't have a life. Life. I am life. life. I and life are one, it cannot be otherwise. So how could I lose my life? How can I lose something that I don't have in the first place? How can I lose something that I am? It is impossible. So what is happening here is I just got it. Hello, 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 bing, (laughs) bing, 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 bing. I got it. We are confusing um, the I am life force with our bodies. Yes, yes. We're confusing that. Yes, that's right. So when this dies and becomes the shell and dissipates and the atoms go wherever they go, back into the ground, ashes to ashes, dust to dust, we are confusing that which is the physical form, yes. the human, we're confusing that with the being. Yes. That's yeah. right. And they are separate. <laughs> you know the devil. This is made dope. Beats by Supremo for all of my people Negroes and Latinos And even the Gringos Yo, check it One for Charlie Hustle Two for Steady Rock Three for the forthcoming live future shock. It's five dimensions, six senses, seven from a mint to heaven to hell. Eight million stories to tell. Nine planets faithfully keep an orbit with the probable tenth. The universe expands length. The body of my sex possess extra strength. Power lift the powerless up out of this towering inferno. My aim's so hot it burn through the journal.
2: I'm blacking at midnight on Broadway. Your myrtle, hip hop past all your tall social hurdles. Like the nationwide
3: progress, prison industry. That's what it is. That's what it is. That's what it is. That's what it is. That's really what it is. Page 13. You don't become good by trying to be good, mm-hmm. but by finding the goodness that is already within you and allowing that goodness to emerge. But it can only emerge if something fundamental changes in your state of consciousness.
1: Yes. So, what that means, if if nothing changes in your state of consciousness, the ego has many ideas. It says, I want to be a spiritual person. Mm -hmm. I I want to be recognized as a spiritual person. I want to be more spiritual than all these people. Mm -hmm. And I'm definitely more spiritual than you. Mm -hmm. So the ego has all kinds of ideas of what it wants to be. It might even say, yes, I want to be good because it wants to have a better image of itself. But on that level, But the the essential dysfunction of the ego is still operating. So this is why we have the phrase, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Because no matter how good your intentions are, when you're still trapped in the ego, it will always take you into conflict eventually. So you have to go deeper beyond the realm of opposites where there's good and bad and reach a place within yourself that is, unconditioned, that is what I sometimes call the formless, expressed beautifully in the Old Testament in the little saying, be still and know that I am God. Mm -hmm. That is and that's in the Old Testament, it contains the entire wisdom of religion in those few words. Be still, meaning go to that place where the mind is no longer operating where there is, you are just conscious without thinking. And that is the level where the eternal resides.
0: The purpose of this discussion is no matter what you put on that list, unless you're very highly evolved, my experience is it's not really what you want. It's not that it's wrong. It's just not really what you want. And the way I prove that is as follows. What if you walked outside after this conversation and all of a sudden there was this bush in front of you and it started burning like it did to Moses and talking to you and its opening sentence was, I am the Lord your God and I would like to discuss some things with you and said enough things that it knew about you to where you were pretty freaked out that you're actually talking to an omniscient, omniscient, omnipotent being, or at least Bush. And the question that gets asked of you is, what would you like, what do you want? I can grant whatever you want. And having gone through this exercise with me, you feel, God, thank God, Mickey, I'm prepared. This is neat, I thought about it. And it left you hollow inside. You would say, I don't want it. In fact. If it's gonna make me miserable inside, I really don't want it, keep it away from me. And so to move quickly, because we only have a little time here, then I say to you, you lied to me when you said it was what you really wanted. Because it isn't true you wanted a relationship, it isn't true you wanted children, it isn't true you wanted money, it isn't true you wanted to travel around the world, it isn't true that you wanted, etc. etc. What's true is you wanted to feel good inside. You wanted to feel love, you wanted to feel joy, you wanted to feel inspiration, excitement, meaning, Those are inner things, they're not outer things. You listed the things you listed because you thought they would give you what you really want. And so wisdom, yoga, spirituality, is about going deeper. Buddhists talk about working at the root. So the truth of the matter is, the only thing you needed to write on a piece of paper when I asked you, what do you really want, is a sense of total well-being. I want to feel love, I want to feel joy, I want to feel inspiration, I want to feel meaning and depth. And you made the mistake of doing it what I call indirectly, by saying I want something outside that I think will make me feel that inside. So without belaboring the point, to go deep and to really be on a spiritual journey, you don't let yourself do that anymore. Because I'm sure there are plenty of times that you said, oh my god, if only this happened, I'd be fine. And you know that didn't turn out that way. Even if it did for a moment, it didn't stay that way. It's not like there wasn't anything else you ever wanted. And likewise, if something was bothering you, you sat there and said, if only that would go away, I'd be fine. That again is not the truth. So you come down to the point where eventually you'd be totally honest with yourself. It may sound selfish, but you'll see in the end it's not. To where you say, I want to be happy. I want to feel love. I want to feel joy. I want to feel inspired. I want to be turned on inside all the time. So now if that Bernie Bush was sitting out there and you were wise enough that when God said to you, what do you want? And you said that, whoa, you're a winner, <laughs> right? How can you lose if from the moment you wake up in the morning, you're turned on, you're inspired, you're excited, you can't wait to see what's going to happen for the rest of the day and you embrace it totally. And then at night, you've given everything you have, you put your head down, you fall asleep, you wake up again, I'm back, ready to go. That would be a beautiful life. And that's what you're looking for. You just think you need all these things in order to get that. So now we go to the next step of what do I really want? And the question that gets asked by a person who's deep and wants to go spiritually is, yes, I want to feel okay inside. That's really what I want. The outside is not what I'm about. It just seems to, in my past, I've had the experience that the outside changes how I feel inside. And that's what a wise person starts to realize. That if certain people walk up to me, and they say certain things at just the right time in just the right way, it turns me on. If the same person walks up to me at the wrong time and says the wrong thing in the wrong way, it turns me off. So I now have taken on the task of manipulating, controlling everybody who walks up to me so that they say it right, what I want at that time, and they don't say what I don't want. And it just comes down to, I have this list of what I want and what I don't want. And most human beings, and most means 99.9%, have devoted their entire life to getting what they think they want and avoiding what they, don't, what they think they don't want. And the emphasis on the word think. Versus it becomes much simpler when you realize what I want is to be okay. I want to feel love, I want to feel joy, I want to feel happiness and inspiration. So now as you look at that, the next question becomes, why don't you? Because your experience is, I can only feel those things if the outside comes in through my senses in a certain way. So the depth when you start to get spiritual and you go deeper into this, is you ask, why is it like that? Why is it that if I get what I want, it turns me on? And if I don't get what I want, it turns me off. And if I get what I don't want, it definitely turns me off. And if I don't get what I don't want, I feel relieved. We take that for granted. A yogi takes nothing for granted. The spiritual person questions everything. Why is it that the only thing that really turns me on is when the outside world is exactly the way that my inner state decided it wanted it to be? And we could, we could go very deep into this and talk about it a lot, but I want to do it very quickly. You could create any situation. The story I always tell that I use is you just read in the newspaper that there was a 1942 penny that was minted in Denver that's worth $6 million. And the rumor is that it's floating around your neighborhood. Well, all of a sudden, when you go into the store and get change, you're looking at your pennies. And you never looked at them before, they never did any for you. Now you're excited about getting the change. In fact, you ask the cashier, I want it all in pennies, but it's 90 cents. I'm pennies, (laughs) right? Like your whole mindset changed. Your whole relationship to life changed because you got into your mind the thought that I want to find a 1942 Denver Mint penny. And if all of a sudden you are given a penny and you look at it and it says 1942, all this rush of energy and spirit rushes up inside of you, excitement, enthusiasm, and then you see it's got a P for Philadelphia instead of a D. And all this depression and letdown happens inside of you. Don't you realize you're doing that? Prior to you reading that article in the newspaper, There wasn't any penny anybody could give you that would do that to you. You are doing that to yourself. So what you start to realize is that when your mind has a preconceived notion that something will make me happy, you believe that penny would make you happy. So therefore you're looking for it, you wanna get it. So you project it out into the world that I'm gonna be okay if I find that penny. I'm gonna be okay if I find the right relationship. I'm gonna be okay if I find the right job. I'm gonna be okay, et cetera, et cetera. By doing that, you set up a condition that said, if the world unfolds that way, I will open to it. I will be receptive, I will, oh, the word is open. We're all spiritual people, we understand the word open. It means my mind will be receptive, my heart will be receptive, and it is because you open that you feel the joy. Objects do not give you joy. That which turns you on, turns somebody else off. That which turned you on today, turned you off yesterday. All you have to do is hear one more thing and your whole mindset changed. So it is not proper to think that there's something out there that will ring your bell. There is something you decided inside yourself that you will open if it happens, and it is that opening that brings the joy, that brings the love, that brings the light. And that's an absolute truth. It's always that way. Likewise with closing. If you decide, I don't want to see a snake, I don't even want to know there's such a thing as a snake then your whole life is in big trouble. Because if you see a rope, you think it's a snake and you close down. If on the other hand, you don't have that issue with snakes, you see a rope and it's a rope. And if you happen for a moment to think it's a snake, no big deal. But if your mind has, has decided, I don't like snakes, I don't ever want to see a snake, you know what it's going to do to you. So it is this conditioning of the mind, we call a mindset, It's a conditioning of the mind that makes it so that things turn you on and turn you off. And that's where you get your list of what you want and what you don't want. It is not true that you want those things. What you want is something that will open you so that you can feel the joy that is natural when you're open. And you don't want the things to close you so that you get blocked off from any joy and you get this sense of depression. So you have a choice, even right at that point. And we haven't even gone deep yet. You have a choice. Do You want to spend your life deciding what you want and what you don't want and then chasing it outside? (laughs) Or do you want to sit there and work inside to realize all I really want is the joy and the love, and if I stay open, I can have those. I don't need outside conditions to keep me open. So I make make a very important point, because in spirituality, it gets mixed up. Spirituality is not about renunciation. There is no renunciation. Renunciation says, I've decided what it is that will make me happy, and I'm not gonna do it. Well, that sounds rather absurd, right? Spirituality says it was stupid of me to decide what will make me happy instead of being happy with life. Instead of being grateful and turned on by all of the amazing things that are happening in front of me and all the past experiences I got to have, why don't I just enjoy all that and then come into life filled with love, filled with joy, and give the whole of my being to the moments that are unfolding in front of me? That's what spirituality says. So it's not about renunciation. It's not about things are wrong and things are right. It's about understanding that you did this. You did this with your mind. You set up conditions in which your mind would open and then your heart opens, and conditions in which your mind would close and your heart closes. So spirituality is very, some people say spirituality is not logical and rational. It is so. It's saying to you, why are you doing that? If you want to have a beautiful life spinning around a planet in the middle of nowhere, Why don't you just open? It's your heart. It's your mind. It doesn't need conditions to open. It's just you don't know how to do it. You've become used to, programmed, uh, habitual, that you had a past experience. By the way, this is where it comes from. How did you decide? How did your mind decide what it is you want and what you don't want? You did not make those decisions. They were programmed into you by your past experiences, all of them. So you are programmed by your past experiences such that, if they were good experiences, they tend to open you when something reminds you of them. When they were negative experiences, they tend to close you. And that is where you get your list of what you want. That's why all of our lists are different. Everyone's list is totally different. Someone tells you the list is the same as yours, they're manipulating you. Because everyone has had different experiences. And based upon those experiences, it left these impressions on your mind and you came up with this list of what I want. So when you make the list of what you want and what you don't want, you're really making a list of your past. That's how you came up with those things. Even colors that you like, anything. They are impressions. Skinner, the psychologist, said, man is the sum of his learned experiences. It's not true, it's true that your mind and your heart, your personal heart, are the sum of your learned experiences, but you are in there noticing this. So I make a big distinction with BF, right, that you are in there and you are noticing that your mind is the sum of your learned experiences, and it is. That's where psychology meets spirituality. Psychology is right. All of the psyche, your thoughts, your patterns, your likes, your dislikes, your problems, and neuroses, et cetera, are the sum of your learned experiences. But you are in there. You are the consciousness, the awareness of being who notices that what I'm saying is true. So basically, you come to the point where you have to decide, do I want to continue letting my past leave impressions on my mind and my heart such that only certain things will open and close me and then I will spend my life chasing after, manipulating, controlling, conniving, whatever you want, the world around me so that sometimes it unfolds the way I want. Or do you want to sit there and understand that you're the one who's making these decisions? It's your mind who's setting up the conditions. Why don't you just not do that? And that's where you get deep spirituality we're already at the deepest point. Sometimes I quote from you all this very, very deep writing called The Third Zen Patriarch. It's the treatise on faith mind. It was was, considered by many as one of the deepest spiritual writings ever written. It's first line is all you need. The great way is not difficult for those who have no preferences. But that is not renunciation. It is not about getting rid of your preferences. It is about realizing that preferences limit your joy to having to match them. And if you don't have all of these likes and dislikes and preferences and conditions and so on, you're gonna find out that life is amazing. Even the challenges of life are amazing. What's wrong with challenges? We play sports, we like challenges. Nobody wants to play a team that you beat 700 to one every time you play them. You wanna be challenged. You wanna have to bring out the best of your being. If you can get clean inside, where you're not being run by all these past impressions, we call them some scars in yoga, all these past impressions which are telling you and they are telling you constantly you can only be happy if this happens and you can never be happy if it doesn't and you will never be happy if such and such happens and then you go out into the world chasing this as opposed to working inside on yourself to say I don't need those conditions life is amazing I'm sitting on a planet spinning in the middle of nowhere and there's all these events happening don't worry they won't last you are not going to stay here but while you're here Do you want to run around and fight with life and people and places and things, and even the weather, to try to make it be what you think you want? Or do you want to work on yourself to clean up this mess inside so you can be open all the time? That's what spirituality is about. It's not about renunciation. Renunciation is too late. You've already decided that you want something. You need it to be happy, but you're not going to do it. Depth, spirituality, is understanding you don't need anything. You don't need anything. Doesn't mean you don't do anything, but you don't need anything. You're a whole and complete within yourself. If you open, there is tremendous joy, love, inspiration that wells up inside of you. The moment you open, the moment something happens that you like, watch how fast you feel joy. And if something happens you don't like, watch how fast you close. That is not teaching you about the outside. That's teaching you about the inside. That openness is where it's at. Closeness is not open this is what you really want because what does opening mean it's like opening the blinds if you close the blinds in your house your house is dark it's like that chapter in the untethered soul take down the walls if you close the blinds in your house your house is dark now you have to run around with artificial light trying to figure out how to get some light if you open the blinds you don't have to do anything the light is coming in but you won't open the blinds Until you're sure nobody's out there and only the right people are in your house and everything's exactly what you want, you're afraid to open the blinds, you don't feel comfortable. So you either decide to spend your life trying to build artificial light inside, or you decide to work on yourself so you wouldn't leave the blinds open. Yoga, true spirituality, is about taking off the blinds, take them off the windowsill, throw them out, and never ever close them ever again. What is the purpose of closing? It makes you sad, it makes you dark. What is depression? Total darkness, total closeness. You have closed off to the flow of the energy. There is no reason for that. There is no excuse for that. This is your world inside. It's your mind. It's your heart. It is your responsibility to not close it. How dare you think you're gonna meet somebody who will overcome your tendency to close. (laughs) What a job. Don't give me that job. You've been in there your whole life, building all these impressions that bother you, scare you and turn you on. And then you say to me as a relationship that it's my responsibility to keep your mind open and your heart open when you're in there closing it all the time i hope that seems silly and counterproductive it is your responsibility to keep your mind open it is your responsibility to keep your heart open and once you learn to do that they're your mind and your heart once you learn to do that you will feel joy all the time and i mean all the time from the moment you wake up in the morning, you'll be inspired, you'll love to go to work, even if you went to the same job for 30 years, you don't ever get bored. Why? Because there's just energy flowing up inside of you. You will get the most out of your relationships, you'll be able to give the most to all moments that are unfolding in front of you. Why? Because now you're a giver instead of a taker. When we come into, the mo- the, into, into interaction with the moments in front of us, we're looking to see what we can get. We're looking to see how we want them to be. We're speaking to change things, we're dressing certain ways, we're doing all kinds of things to manipulate the moment so that they will be the way we want, and when they come inside they'll turn us on. A being who has learned to be open all the time, never does that. They don't need to do that, because they're already feeling what they want to feel. They're feeling joy, they're feeling love, they're feeling inspiration. So now when the moment unfolds in front of them, they can give to it. They can take this joy and love that they have, and they can and shine it upon the moment people place in things that are unfolding so this is spirituality it is not about that's why at the moment i'm going to say there are teachers and and i love all teachings it's all fine people work at whatever level work at but this whole thing about abundance and attracting to yourself what it is that you want and how to use mantras and spirituality to make sure you have what you want true spirituality is about not wanting true spirituality is about being filled with joy from inside and then sharing that outside. It's not about attracting to yourself what you want. Is there a law of attraction? People ask me, is there a law of attraction? Yes, and you better be scared of it because if it's true that you attract what your mind is thinking, you better take a look at what your mind is thinking. (laughs) It's not only when you're sitting there trying to attract something to yourself with affirmation. What about your mind all day when it's complaining and it's yelling at people and it doesn't like stuff? What if you're attracting that way? So you eventually catch on that it is not about getting what you want. It is about learning to find out that what you really want is to stay open and not have conditions on that openness and then it comes down to how do you do that are people capable of doing that or is that just reserved for you know some special beings buddha and christ that have walked the face of the earth everybody is capable of that how do i know that if i tell you to pick up five thousand pounds you may not be able to do that in fact you won't you won't be able to do that So, I've told you to do something that you've never done and you're not doing it, so you may not be able to do it. But if you're actually already doing something, you're already doing it, and they tell you not to do it, you're always capable of that because you're the one who's doing it. So, inside, you are the one who's closing your heart. You close it. You are the one who's closing your mind. You do that. They're your thoughts. It's your feelings. They're nobody else's. So you're in there doing these things. So if I tell you the way to stay open is to not close. I don't teach how to stay open. That's more like finding out how to get what you want. I'm interested in you learning to not close. but a difference. If I say to you, I want you to open your heart right now, you wouldn't even know how to start. But if I say to you, somebody says something you don't like, don't close, you know where to start, right? Because it's happening inside of you, and you see the tendency to do it all i'm asking you to do is don't do that and i'm telling you that will take you the whole way don't worry about opening worry about not closing there are going to be events that unfold in your life that naturally open you a beautiful sunset a bird singing sometimes you get what your mind wants all right you open great nothing wrong with that don't close how come it only lasts a minute How can going to see a beautiful sunset you feel like oh my god i looked into the face of god then you go right back into your mind with all your problems why Why don't you learn to not close? Once you get some openness, start to work with yourself to not close. And this is how to get what you really want. The the deep spiritual teachings are really teaching how to get what you want. Because what you want is to feel love and joy and happiness all the time. And so if you can get that from within, you then can share it. And again, this is not selfish. What did Christ say? One of his favorite teachings, right? Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that leaveth the mouth of the Father. Only a yogi, a spiritual being knows what that means. It means you don't live off of what's coming in from outside. Bread is much bigger than just eating. It's all of these circumstances that we need that feed us all right You do it by tuning into the energy within every word that leaves the mouth of the father. That's where the spiritual energy is coming from it's coming from the spirit. So as you're in there working with yourself, you will find out that if you don't close you have access to that energy all the time and I mean all the time. No matter what happens to you, no matter what falls you, if people are dishonest with you, if you don't get what you want, if somebody else gets the job you want, if you don't get the raise you want, these are, not, these are not terrible things. These are things that make you close. And when you close, you give up the meaning of your life. You give up your joy. You give up your beauty. You give up your love. You fall in love with somebody. That's beautiful. It's wonderful. They do something, they slurp their soup, they leave the cap off the toothpaste, they whatever it is, they pull the blankets off in bed, right? They just do some silly little thing. And I'm telling you, you're going to close. Why would you trade love, which is so precious, for a stupid little thing like your mind not liking some little trait that somebody has? I'm encouraging you to look at it that way and say, I'm ruining my relationship and giving up love by deciding to not like what this person did or deciding to not accept this or accept that. That's why now you're at the core of of spirituality, acceptance, acceptance, surrender. What does it mean? It means I'm not going to let the outside world close me. I have the right to have it beautiful inside. Nobody has the right to take that away from me. This is my world. I live in here. And that becomes your spiritual work. And so I, I've taught many times. I teach you my books you can read the course. I do a sound for you can take. It goes into how do you learn not to close? Because that's what matters. Something happens, you will see your heart start to close. You will see your mind start to complain. I always tell people start with the easy stuff. Somebody's driving 15 miles an hour below the speed limit in front of you. You're in a rush. Watch what you do to yourself. You're not, you're not talking to that driver. They don't hear you. You're not doing anything of any meaning but you're in there bothering yourself. You're in there closing yourself. I can't believe he's doing that. Look, the sign's right there. Why can't he read this? What's wrong with people? What are you doing? You're making yourself miserable. Stop it. That's where spirituality is. Don't worry about finding what you want. That's too limiting. Learn how to stay open in the face of whatever's happening. If it rains when you don't want it to, if it's too hot, don't let your mind close you. Why would you close about the weather? You don't want any weather? Weather's a nice thing. It's good that it rains. The plants really need it, all right? And you need the plants. Learn to accept, to honor, respect, and appreciate the experiences that are unfolding in front of you. They won't match your past experiences of what you wanted and didn't want. They're not supposed to, and they won't. The question is, are you capable of letting go of this mesh you've made inside so that whatever experience unfolding in front of you keeps you open or causes you to open. If somebody's standing in front of you yelling at you and you don't even know who they are, it can be fun. You don't have to freak out. Like, this is neat, I'm standing the planet Earth and somebody's yelling at me. I dare you to try and be like that. I dare you to work with yourself little by little to where nothing can close you. I like you, I care for you, I love you, right? That's the teaching. Don't close, don't expect somebody else protect you so you don't close. Don't expect somebody else to open you after you've closed. This is your inner environment. You are responsible for it. Learn, practice like you practice piano, you practice math, you practice tennis, practice not closing. Start with the simple stuff. If you will do that, you will find there is this beautiful river of joy that flows inside of you all the time. Nothing can take it away from you except you. It is only by closing yourself to it, closing your mind and closing your heart that you won't feel it. And eventually you realize it is the nectar of life. That inner flow of spirit, that inner flow of Shakti, that inner flow of energy is the beauty of life. And if you have that, you can share it with others. You become a a blessing on this earth. But if you are willing to keep your personality closing and allow yourself to ruin your life by closing, it's not going to happen. So that's the half hour. I've communicated what I wanted. Work on yourself. Don't expect somebody else to do it. You have the right every day to stay open, every day to work, every moment. It's not meditation. It's every moment and second of your life you work on not closing. And I guarantee you if you do that, something very beautiful will well up inside of you and it will eventually get so strong that it will pull you into it. And those are the great high states, the great high spiritual states. Very good. Thank you for listening. I always tell people, thank you for being interested in these things because this is how you fix the world. This is how you fix everything is you work with yourself.
1: Thank you.